Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza, and I am joined by Dalton Del Don. Dalton, how's your summer going? You go on any vacations yet? I think so, right? I have not gone on any uh, vacations, but I am heading to Vegas here in a couple weeks All for right. a couple nights. Got to sign up for a big Survivor contest and make some futures bets and whatnot. I did just go to San Francisco for the live Scott Fishbowl uh, event over the weekend, though. Parking was an absolute nightmare and the highlight of the trip, but uh, good times there. So, yeah, getting away a little bit here and there. But you, uh, on the other hand, you have been able to uh, to get away, yes? I did. I mean, <laughs> I went to Delaware, like the uh, Austin. Wait, no, no, not, not the Austin Powers. Wayne's Bill, World. Wayne's World. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Wayne's World. Yeah. I'm just going to go through all of the uh, <laughs> comedies that are not the right one. Yes. Uh, like the Wayne's World joke. I went to Delaware, Delmarva, some Ocean City, and then home to Chicago for the first time in three years. It's over three years that I went home to Chicago and... Um, that was really, really nice. Uh, saw a lot of old friends, ate a lot of deep dish pizza, <laughs> um, and drank a lot of craft beer. It was wonderful. I You mentioned that you went to San Francisco for the Scott Fishbowl. I am live drafting at the LA Scott Fishbowl this Saturday, so I'm hoping to continue to, I don't know, figure out strategies and overthink all of the different potential draft picks because this is one of the craziest formatted leagues in existence which is why we love it so much and why we appreciate scott fish so much yeah fun format you can't beat live you know live drafts whether it be baseball or football i mean that's it's so fun so any chance you get to do that uh take advantage of it but yeah scott fish bowl uh, uh, the scoring is too wacky to get over our teams in this uh yeah. for, to translate but uh, yeah definitely a, a fun event and the overall aspect too is, is great because it's connecting so many people i know uh, celebrities are in it and james uh your, your guy james roday actually is in my wife's uh league actually so they're drafting together oh Fun, fun. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I get to drive down with Tom Everett Scott, so my nice, uh, elder nice. millennial heart is going to be a flutter for most of that. Yeah, just watch him ride. on a fantasy football pod. He's great. Yeah, he's super. He's into fantastic. It. Yeah. He was on Eckler's yeah. Edge. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's get started. Oh wait, condolences. I heard that the Six Flags Park near you is closing. Yeah, that is within five years. That's literally shares the parking lot with the 49ers yeah. Levi Stadium. And we got we got season passes for the kids this uh, summer. I've yet to go yet. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't like to hear that at all. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm a kid when it comes to that. Uh, we just went to the local fair and um, I'm, I'm all about my, my daughter and I hitting up as many uh, crazy rides as we can. So yeah, Great America might be might be out of here within five years. That is wild. Uh, the one in Chicago, there was a ride called the Shockwave. That was my favorite. Iron Wolf, also a good one. I love the stand-up roller coasters. Those are my favorites. Anyway, we are talking too much. You can tell that Dalton and I haven't had a chance to bond because we're using this time in your ear holes to do it. But 
let's move on and we're gonna talk about the, the here's a selling point. We're gonna talk about the Jets a lot today. So stay tuned. And we're also gonna talk about their second year quarterback who has been quite buzzy for a number of reasons. You can do a deep dig on that yourself. But first, we're going to dive in on all of the second year quarterbacks and what we think of them heading into the fantasy draft season. All right. Let's just start broad, Dalton. I mean, do you feel confident that any of these year two QBs could be a QB one, top 12, maybe 14, if we want to expand it for fantasy this year? Well, yeah. I mean, you're looking to a guy with Trey Lance art behind uh-huh. me. I have him ranked as my QB seven entering the year. So I absolutely expect that. I mean, he was by far the most fantasy points per drop back last year. It's a little skewed because he came in in the red zone and he's definitely an injury risk and obviously a humongous unknown, but just giving the rushing floor, he's clearly going to be the guy, whether Jimmy G is released, traded or uh, maybe kept as the number two role, but Trey Lance, um, first of all, the infrastructure, I mean, you have the weapons there and a head coach, I believe Kyle Shanahan has led the league in, in yards after the catch in five last six years or something. So he puts his quarterbacks in terrific situations to succeed. And now you have this young athletic guy with a strong arm and just a ton of ton of rushing upside for fantasy players. Just in a quick stat, Garoppolo, 32% of his throws went 10 plus air yards. Uh, 45% of Lance's throws last year uh, went 10 plus air yards. So it'll be a different offense. Uh, just wait to the play action. You can't wait to see what Shanahan Shanahan has been cooking up all offseason. So, yes, Trey Lance, I have ranked as my QB7 entering the year uh, with upside to be a top three fantasy QB because of those rushing rushing stats. Yahoo Consensus has him a little bit lower. I believe he's the QB15-ish, QB13-ish. So he would be the top contender of the second-year quarterbacks to break the top 15 for a fantasy purposes. Um, there's a lot of unknowns. How closely are you watching the training camp off-season reports about Trey Lance. A uh, little bit. There's been so much noise of arm fatigue out there. A lot of haters. But him and Brandon Ayuk, they're playing catch seemingly daily, even making s'mores together. So they're bonding. I like they like that. You know, I mean, half the time you laugh at it. But every now and then there's Cooper Cup who has breakfast with Matthew Stafford and they put up historic seasons. So, I mean, given the fact that this is a whole new you know offense and a new quarterback, I think there's something to that. And the fact that Debo Samuel That's has been beast. nowhere near uh, yeah. Trey Lance. Yeah. So I feel so like that- Ayuk is being really undervalued because people got so frustrated with him last season. I mean, Matt Harmon can tell you all about that and his own personal journey with Ayuk. But he, people were so frustrated with him last season. And meanwhile, Debo, I think, is over his values over inflated because he's not been around and there is a new he said I interviewed him at the Super Bowl during a media week and he told me Jimmy G was his dog and he was gonna miss him. And he was like hoping they'd find a way. So rapport eventually with players of this caliber will work itself out. But at the top of the season, this definitely gives Ayuk an advantage. Yeah, um, it, absolutely. I agree with you there. Um, I think Debo's getting drafted too highly. They they drafted Ty Davis-Price to take some carries away. He now has a quarterback who, who knows where the target situation will be, but also a quarterback that'll take uh, all of the rushing. I like Debo Samuel, part of the trade situation. He does not want to be a running back uh, this next year. So I think drafting him in the as a top 15, top 20 fantasy player to me seems like a stretch, and I'm loving all the Ayuk uh, later. And then as for your, your question, um, the, the, the quarterbacks entering the second year, the other guy would be your Justin Fields because really? again, that rushing floor it's absolutely you don't love his infrastructure and his his offensive line nearly the same as uh as the 49ers but man when it comes to fantasy it's all about that rushing upside so he would be my my, i have him ranked uh, you know as as my qb 15 even as is so it wouldn't take uh too much for him to, to 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 finish as a qb1 according to how i see it playing out 
I am, and I don't know if this is regional hometown bias, waffling between Fields and Trevor Lawrence. Like I, I have them back to back in my rankings and I'll someday, and I understand the rushing upside of Fields, but you know, there's a new offensive coordinator. He's been in, it's it's Luke Getze. He's been in uh, Green Bay for the past few years. So we like that he comes from the LaFleur tree, um, but he's never called a pro play yet in his career. And obviously Matt Eberflus, who is the new HC, is a former DC. So a really defensive-minded coach, which is on brand for the Bears and everything. But I have to imagine that Getze is there to get the most, I have to be a lot of, you know, RPO and play action, which should benefit Fields when we saw him do it a lot last year. Um, but there's just no depth in that receiving core, even though the Bears just tried to add some depth, acquiring Nikhil Harry of all wide receivers from the Patriots. Um, you know, like, I think we know the story on Nikhil. Anyone who's listened to Scott Pianowski on a podcast certainly knows Nikhil Harry's story. He was from former first round talent. Uh, 2019 was the draft class, but he has, I don't know what, like yet to clear 60 y- catches or 600 yards in his entire career. It's not great. I think he has four touchdowns, if I'm right, to his name over three seasons. No question the receivers are bad. I love, I love Mooney, but it's, it is ugly after. Byron Pringle's a deep fantasy sleeper, but now he's looking at more competition, as you said, with Harry. Um, and you know, Jones was such an old uh, rookie that was drafted. But it just comes down to the rushing upside for me. And the coaching has nowhere to go but, but up. It's, it's an improvement um, with the old regime gone. Cole Komet, an interesting athlete at tight end, too, though. That's not nothing there. And, and then David Montgomery is a capable receiving back, and Herbert's a, a really nice runner, too. So... It's this feels because of the rushing upside, but I certainly wouldn't be shocked if Trevor Lawrence surpassed him in fantasy value. I mean, he's the generational talent, uh, the prospect everyone's been talking about for years. I do not have a strong take on him. I do on a couple others, Lance, Zach Wilson, but Trevor Lawrence is a guy I could personally see going either way. I mean, I could see the, you know, the new coach, he could blow up. He's the guy, the prospect, you know, big time upside or also, you know, he continues to, to make mistakes. You don't you wouldn't expect from someone with that talent. And uh, he'll continue to disappoint because there are definitely going to be some fantasy leagues out there where there are managers very, very excited and expecting a big leap from Lawrence. I, I think you're right. I mean, I, we, when we talk about Zach Wilson in a little bit with Michael Salfino, surprise, he's coming on. We'll talk about investing in the draft capital. And I do think that we can look at what the Jaguars front office has done, and they've certainly tried to invest. Now people are going to laugh at, and you and Scott, in fact, I believe already discussed like the Christian Kirk contract and maybe how everybody guffawed at that at the top of free agency. But there is at least some, I don't some mindfulness about trying to get everything that they can out of, uh, out of Trevor Lawrence, and he is this generational talent. I would I would like to believe that it can happen, especially given the division that they're in. You know, like, am, am I that afraid of the Titans this year? No. Am I that afraid of the Texans? Their defense, maybe a little bit. If Lovey Smith can do anything, it's on that side of the ball. We're going to talk about Davis Mills in a second. Am I that afraid of the Colts without Eberflus? Eh. You know, I, I think that this is a division that he could make some make some leaps forward in. Yeah, the contracts may not have been great, but it does I'm mean, adding Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, a healthy Travis Etienne. I mean, that's certainly not nothing. So, uh yeah, the 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 players are there for uh for Trevor Lawrence to make a, a nice year two leap. Last thing about Trevor Lawrence, he has the second best strength of schedule among quarterbacks 
over the first five weeks of the season. So if he is going to, that gives you, I feel like you can invest and kind of maybe have an opportunity to sell high if he is catching fire and you don't like, you know, if there are enough uh, red flags and you, and you want to move off, maybe grab somebody else. Potentially, maybe someone else you might want to grab is Jimmy Garoppolo because you heard some rumors or there's some reports you mentioned before we got on. You want to talk about those as we move into Houston? I've been grabbing Davis Mills late, you know, in best balls as my third QB in the aforementioned Scott Fish Bowl. A top 10 fantasy QB the final five weeks last year was really strong at home. And he was dealing with just horrible coaching, often stuck in third and long and predictable passing situations. Um, and Nico Collins, a possible breakout year two to go along with Brandon Cooks. But now there, Mike Florio of PFT reports that uh, they're interested in, in Jimmy Garoppolo. That would obviously uh, throw a wrinkle in Davis Mills plans. So something to pay attention to if you're in a super flex league. But Davis Mills was as impressive as any rookie QB last year. And he may not have had the draft capital. But man, if I were Houston, and I would see what I have in the kid because he uh, he really he had multiple multiple uh, three hundred yard games too just for fantasy. But in real life, the YPA at home was nearly eight. Um, yeah, quite quite interesting. Uh, I would take a long look at Davis Mills. Here's my thought about Davis Mills. Though. Like we like Pep Hamilton, right? Um, yep. Certainly, Justin Herbert liked him in 2020, right? Like that. There's um, I like the coordinator. There's continuity there for Mills. Clearly, there was some belief in him from the front office otherwise they would have done things differently in the draft despite the talent maybe in this year's class I still think he's the guy Charles Robinson over the bulk of last season talked about and he's based in Houston Charles has talked about how many of his sources said over and over again that Mills is their guy they they think that they got a value but my question from fantasy is you know last year everyone shrugged their shoulders and says well he wasn't really surrounded by much talent well outside of Mechie who's hurt what talent has changed from a pass catching point of view in Houston? I think year two breakout Nico Collins is the answer. That's uh, I think he okay. has a as a level he can he can step up. But yeah, it's not like top ten weapons the in the league changed, or even top it's bottom ten. It, it's yeah. still bottom ten weapons in the league. You're right, but that's why Davis Mills is you know he's ECRs and not even the top twenty five QBs. But that is admittedly true. The weapons do not look great, but I do think Nico Collins could make a step up. And Brandon Cooks is just perennial underrated. But Nico Collins would be my answer to you with a smidgen of Brevin Jordan thrown in as well at tight end. It's not a Dalton Del Don spot if you don't mention Brevin Jordan. I love it. Um, and we've got Marlon Mack and Damian Pierce there in the backfield as well. So yeah. yeah. Um, all the more reason they have to throw (laughs) (laughs) fair enough fair enough um all right well if that defense does what I think Lovey Smith wants it to do that's going to be an interesting an interesting I think that they I do think that offense is going to be more balanced than people are anticipating in terms of the play calls I think you brought it up earlier it's a it's an interesting division for for offensive fireworks I mean the Colts Jacksonville and Tennessee there I don't I don't love any of their defenses so I think that's going to benefit Mills and yeah I, I know people are interested in Pierce the rookie but I don't I think they're going to struggle to run the ball and just force Mills to throw a lot in the second half and even if it comes in garbage stats it all counts the same for fantasy All right let's move on to Mac Jones finish this thought for me Tom Brady was a 7th round pick that averaged 6.9 yards per attempt his rookie season and went on to become the GOAT. Mac Jones was a 1st round pick that averaged 7.3 yards per attempt his rookie season and went on to become... A perennial top 10 quarterback, I'm actually going to say. Um, as a 49er fan, I was super not into them trading their few you know million first rounders to move up for Mac Jones. 
But having said that, I still think he, he's, there's a lot to like here and there's a lot to like landing in New England, although it's weird who's going to be calling plays this season. Um, you mentioned it, very solid YPA rookie year. They upgraded him some, some wide receivers there. Um, but I think that the, his college uh, resume was just a little bit underrated because of all the, the weapons around him and the fact he does not, for fantasy, this is totally different conversation. It's just, he's not in the same, uh, even Justin Fields or any of the guys who can run, Trey Lance, he just simply does not have the upside there. And New England's going to be a run-heavy team. But in real life, uh, I know our guy Scott Pianowski was was more lukewarm on him as a Patriot fan, uh, saying more of a you know a middling QB. I think there's more upside there. Mac Jones, what he showed as a rookie, he can be very, very like I said, I think he could be a top ten perennial real life QB moving forward. I think he's probably one of the most cerebral young QBs in the league right now. Just in terms of, I mean, he, I, I talked to him live too. Like he's an interesting dude, and it's not just because he's like started working out or whatever, but he is. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I'm sorry, Liz, I'm stealing this one, but I'm calling him Jack uh, Jones now because I guess he's hit the weight room just so so hard over the offseason. But sorry, continue. I mean, he is in better shape. Uh, and again, when I interviewed him like at the Super Bowl, he was very interesting and he was not in this sort of shape. But he is the child of attorneys. And, you know, I talked about this, I think, last year on the Rookie Snapshot pod with Eric Edholm. It's my belief that... He is also very aware, and self-awareness is so huge always, but in sports, we don't talk about it enough. I think he was very self-aware of his shortcomings, and he knew that he wasn't a mobile. He wasn't Trey Lance. He wasn't Justin Fields. So how can he compensate for that deficiency and became one of the smartest, most cerebral? Um, his anticipation is some of the best. He doesn't make any damn mistakes because he cannot afford to. And because and, and I think he also was like, well, my legs can't make up for a missed read. So I have to make sure that I am as technically proficient as possible from a passing point of view and from just a X's and O's standpoint. And I think that, that again, for fantasy, because of our scoring systems, isn't going to look very good. But in terms of a career, especially a career in New England, where precision is so important, I think that's going to be like a hallmark of what he does throughout his time in the league. That said, I'm really out on the play callers in New England this year. Yeah, yeah. not not legs for, for fantasy rushing, but I believe he comes from a family of tennis players. So like his footwork is really, really good. You know, sliding in and out of the pocket, a la, a la Brady there. June Jones, a, a college uh, QB guru, loves the way that he tracks the deep ball. He says you can tell you know, who's good at the deep ball if they watch the receiver or they watch the ball. And Mac Jones passes the test. Um, so uh, I'm worried as a guy who's all in on Trey Lance because what Mac Jones already showed, you know, year one. I'm, yeah, I, I feel like it's a, a very, very bright future. And uh, not just a high floor, but I think he can be a real, like a top 10 uh, real life uh, NFL QB. But you're right. The, the, the play calling this year is, is a little weird, but you got to just figure that Belichick will just have his hand in it so much, no matter who is ostensibly calling them. That's true. The pencil behind his ears probably is there more for um, in name only than in than in actual practice. It was wild to see Belichick calling the plays over OTAs, though, you know, and I really do like I, I think Devontae Parker, if he can stay healthy, at least at the top of the season, is going to do something. It's a bit of a Russian roulette as to which one of those wide receivers is going to be the most consistent, you know, like Myers will get the catches, Orton will get the yards, Parker will get the touchdowns, and I don't know, for fantasy, it's a bit of a hodgepodge from that um, POV. Now that we talked about the signal callers, I just want to go back in order of our preferences for fantasy and mention maybe like biggest thing you're watching for over the summer and maybe the 
extending piece, offensive piece, complementary piece that you are, if you were interested in stacking or that you're that you're tracking, you know, because of X, Y, and Z at the quarterback position, this is what you're watching out for at wide receiver or running back or tight end. Number one, we both have Trey Lance, like we said, for fantasy purposes, ranked the highest. So what are you specifically watching anything over camp? And then which of his pieces would you most like to acquire? Yeah, all about Brandon Ayuk for sure. I think he's discounted. Debo Samuel overvalued. Um, I, I mean, uh, I think the market is becoming throughout the throughout the summer. His ADP has risen, and in drafts, he's going higher. But Trey Lance, you just see the upside with his with his rushing and the coaches there, and it's becoming so clear that Garoppolo is not going to be the starter. It's not there. even in the building, which is what I was going to continue to watch for. When when is he allowed in the building? Is he not allowed in the building? You know, what is the exposure to Jimmy G? And the national media has been been interesting. ESPN, I think, has them ranked as the 19th best team. Uh, Sports Illustrated just came out with a piece saying the 12 teams who could win the Super Bowl, they were not one of them. Um, odd for a team that had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter of the NFC Championship game last year, but apparently they're really down on uh, losing Alex Mack at center. All, all seriousness aside, I get it. There's a big, there's a big uh, unknown at quarterback, but uh, there's also a higher ceiling with Trey Lance than, than with, with Jimmy G. So uh, that's uh, the 49ers are definitely be a fascinating team uh to, to watch but Trey Lance for for fantasy man I, I think he's the target this year uh you know back when you could get L Lamar Jackson when it was just becoming so clear why is he going after the top 15 QBs I think this is this year's version of that number two and because you mentioned it upside is a hell of a drug so I'm gonna put Justin Fields just behind Trey Lance for the purposes of this exercise and for fantasy um anything you're watching for over the summer I want I want to I guess I want to hear more. Darnell, you mentioned like rapport with Ayuk. Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney have been doing everything together. They're going out all the time, playing video games. They have made this a priority. I'm just a little bit worried that Mooney, while he is overrated, I believe he had a top 11 route win rate last year. He just doesn't profile to be that X. And I'm not sure. I'm a little bit nervous that in July we're still acquiring, as Matt Harmon would call them, flame outs to find a complement within the receiving court. Like if this is just about depth, that's one thing, but there's just not another piece to balance him out. And I just don't see him clearing a thousand yards or I don't know. If I were to put an over under five and a half touchdowns for Mooney on the season, I'm taking the under on that. So I loved uh, Mooney uh, ostensibly right away. And you know, I lost Allen Robinson year two fields. But um, let me read some splits to you that kind of uh, throw some cold water on it and lean more toward your argument. Last year in seven games with Andy Dalton and Nick Foles, he, he averaged 11 targets and 80 yards, essentially. In 10 games with Mooney, it fell to 6.4 targets and 50 yards. I mean, the splits were, were, were noticeable. But again, year two and no one else there. So I do like Mooney. But um, yeah, maybe those expectations should be held in check a bit because this, this offense is going to be inefficient. Uh, the offensive line the lack of alternatives there yeah it's not going to be great but from a fantasy purely because of the rushing to me Justin Fields is the the easy number two here well ahead of the next group we're going to talk about okay so how far ahead of Trevor Lawrence would you put him yeah, so I, I have Fields as my 15th fantasy QB, and then I have all these other guys like in the 21 through 23 range. I have the other, like all of them, Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, and even my guy Davis Mills all bunched together about a tier, a tier lower. Oh, I, yeah. And I, I can get the Trevor Lawrence. People will probably cringe at that and probably put him higher. And I get it. I get it. I get the word. No, I, I bet we talked about this is kind of how you you are an upside. Wait, actually, it is interesting because you are Mr. Upside, proactive about upside. And do you just not see enough upside 
in Lawrence because Fields is such a better, more consistent rusher. And so we've seen Fields, I mean, we've seen Lawrence have the ability to run, but not as regularly. It's not like the hallmark of his game necessarily. 100%. It just comes down. It's very, very boring, but it is the rushing difference here. And I think, and Fields is, is fast. Maybe it won't totally translate, but I, I think the, 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 the upside there is, is the difference for me here. And we can finish with Zach Wilson here before we talk to Silfino because I do have a take on him. I'm out. I'm, I'm worried about him. Oh. I, I, I love, uh, love Elijah Moore. Absolutely. If he was in a different situation, I'm not kidding. I, I could see myself ranking more as like a top 10 fantasy QB as is. I have him as my like wide receiver. Sorry, wide receiver. I have him as my wide receiver 36. And he's, his ECR is wide receiver 30, sorry, 28. Some splits for you. With uh, Elijah Moore PPR last year with Joe Flacco, 29.6. With Josh Johnson, 27.4. Even with Mike White. 12. With Zach Wilson, he averaged 7.4 fantasy points per game, Elijah Moore. So over the last three years, uh, when you're going to count for yards per dropback, that's passing yards and counting for like sack yards and scrambling yards. Over the last three years, about 50 quarterbacks qualify. Zach Wilson is by far last. Um, in fact, he's the only one to average fewer than five. Um, it was an ugly rookie season. Um, maybe you can throw it all out the window. They've made major upgrades. Um, to me, I'm going to, I'm in the prove it mode and that's before we even get to his build and huge injury risk too, which I actually think is more likely to be like, he's going to deal with injuries and we're still going to be like left with, we don't quite know, but there's also the risk that he's just really, really bad. I mean, Danny back to his college stats. I mean, he was always the best. He had the best teammates on the field by a mile every time he stepped out there. And, um, there was a lot of concerns of, of, of why he was getting drafted so high. And to me, I, I still share them. I think that all makes a lot of sense. It will be interesting for our listeners to uh, listen to both those takes back to back. Um, this will shock you, Dalton, but Mr. Selfino is much higher. Love it. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard it yet. To be clear, I've not heard Selfino's take. Zach I can only assume that he's uh, he's high, but yeah, yeah, I like him. But yeah, I think uh, the yeah. only thing we can well, like draft. No one in a single quarterback league is going to have to draft Zach Wilson. So if you are intrigued by him in Superflex. The question that drafters ultimately, you all listening, are going to have to ask yourself is whether or not you believe the investment that the front office and the coaching staff have made in him are enough to get him over the hump. And that is a personal choice. What you thought of him in college at BYU and whether those skills can translate and materialize on an, a pro NFL field is, you know, that, that's that's the question mark. That's what we're all waiting to see. Clearly, the Jets whether they believe it or not, are willing to throw a bunch of money at the hopes of it returning and uh, returning on investment and happening. So you make a strong case. Salfino makes a strong case. I know where I stand, but I will let our listeners listen to both halves because I don't want to play tiebreaker. Instead, that is what ADP is for. Yes, one last thing. I'm done putting up thing, his finger. Yes. One uh, final was, thing. I, was, I forgot I came across these stats before going up this podcast. First of all, I hate hating on Zach Wilson right now, but I will admittedly say this. Drop rate over expected for 2021 quarterbacks. Number one, Zach Wilson. Number two, Trevor Lawrence. The guy dealt with a lot of drops over expectations. So there well, was some wait, bad wait, luck wait. with those two. I'm just saying. I'm just, I, I want to throw, the, to be fair. Uh, that I mean, that is an interesting stat. I think... Also, Garrett Wilson was the most acrobatic, has the best body control of any receiver in this year's class. And so I do think that that will certainly help the drop rate along with the two tight ends. Oh, definitely. I'm saying he su- those guys suffered the two unluckiest quarterbacks okay. last year. So they're due for positive regression, I'm saying, in fairness. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, giving oh, you're Wilson a hard so time. Yeah, I'm just trying to be fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, the always fair uh, Dalton Del Don. 
Thank you. I don't know why I'm giving you an outro because producer John is going to play some music and put <laughs> Selfino on. So uh, that's our that's our talk on second year quarterbacks. Beautiful, smooth transition, Liz Loza. Jets now in today's team preview, and we're going to do it with one of the biggest, most intelligent Jets fans I know. He's the managing editor of BetPrep.com, and he works for The Athletic in fantasy sports across the board. It's Mr. Michael Selfino. I can already hear Scott Pianowski booing halfway across the country. Uh, it's it's a pleasure to be here, and hi, Scott, if you're, in the, if you're booing me in the background. Uh, I haven't talked to you in a minute. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, everything's uh, everything's going great sports wise, except for the fact that you know my Jets can't get their acts together. But hopefully, we're turning a corner, and uh, the Jets will not only have some fantasy relevance, but also some NFL relevance in the near term. Well, let's talk about that. And I think probably the biggest piece of the offense that we're all waiting to turn around is Zach Wilson and whether or not he can be unbroken the way he was broken at the top to middle of last season, though he did finish fairly strong. I mean, he eliminated a lot of mistakes. Um, he did have one signature run, albeit against a Jaguars defense that was maybe not trying so hard at that point in the season. Regardless, I think anybody has to take a look at the situation that he's in. And if you're a Jets fan, applaud the coaching staff in the front office for going full bore and really investing in him. Yes, I think most player fa failures, and this is something I talked to Bill Parcells about when I worked at the Wall Street Journal, most player failures in the draft are actually organization and coaching failures. And uh, the failure a lot of times with the quarterback is just not having the appropriate level of support. Uh, but, and I understand that Zach Wilson ha has a reputation as like a borderline bust given his rookie season. However, riddle me this Batman. And for the purposes of this exercise, you're Batman, Liz. Uh, if Zach Wilson was such a bust, how did he win NFL rookie of the week three times? There you go. Is that, is that the, that's the picture, uh, you know, uh, did you get that? Because here's the thing, and no other rookie quarterback won it once. So well, I'm not saying that makes Zach Wilson good, but I think it illustrates that that he has upside uh, in reality and also obviously in fantasy, given the fact that Zach Wilson has elite traits. He's fast. He's athletic. He has a big time arm. And he throws crossbody, which was the, you know, Pat Mahomesian characteristic that so many scouts yes. latched onto. Here's the piece of it, though, right? I was not, and I'll admit, a big Zach Wilson fan heading into the draft because I recognized the level of competition that he was facing and the amount of time he was given at BYU to operate. Obviously, the Jets had to have believed in that. And this is like where the Makai Becton piece, I think, becomes very yes. integral. Where are we at with Becton? Where is his conditioning? There were questions of his work ethic. I will say not just Becton, at least um, the front office in New York slash New Jersey went ahead and added Lake and Tomlinson. So he's not the only new piece. Um, and I believe the center on the Jets also is PFS ninth rated center. Yep. Um, so McGovern. there are some new pieces here. But would you agree that a lot of the pressure is going to be on Becton's ability to be what well, to ROI, frankly. 
Yeah, he has to actually become the player that he was forecasted to be coming into the draft. And he has to show the promise that he showed for large stretches during his rookie year, which also where he also suffered from injuries. But I think Becton is probably as a Jets fan. And as far as Jets nation is concerned, he's he's the thing that we worry about the most because he has not shown the, the problem with his weight isn't necessarily the weight that he could play at at six foot eight. Um, I mean, could he play at near 400 pounds? I don't know. Um, but he should be around 350 pounds. That was the goal that the organization set for itself. So it's discouraging as a Jets fan that he hasn't shown the commitment to his profession to, you know, do these things that are obviously within his control to do. And given his financial resources, there's really no excuse for just hire, you know, a chef and a personal trainer and just get to 350 pounds. That's not a heavy lift, uh, no pun intended. So how bullish or bearish are you on Becton's ability to get it together this coming into 2022? Well, they have fortified themselves a little bit um, of, you know, their other tackle fan is kind of the anti-Becton in that he has like sort of a action movie star physique. Um, he, he, considers his body his temple the guy is just like an amazing shape he's a former tight end uh and he's over 300 pounds but it's like his muscle mass is like insane so maybe that will be an example for Becton but I think without Becton the Jets offensive line is probably a b minus with Becton playing at a level that is reasonable to forecast and in reasonable shape I think it's a b plus so I think the Jets offensive line is going to be in either that average bucket or the above average bucket. I don't think it's going to be bad. And I think that bodes very well for their running game, especially, and also obviously for uh, their overall offensive productivity. That's a fantastic segue. I want to talk about Brees Hall from a fantasy standpoint. I mean, he's, if you look at the market at running backs now drafted in the first round, um, was at the top of everybody's board heading into April's draft but Michael Carter did show promise. Now, I don't believe that Michael Carter is an every down back and obviously front offices don't play fantasy right. the way that we do. So they don't really care. But he did overperform, especially considering all of the obstacles he faced last season. I think that Brees Hall is going to be the workhorse. I don't think that you trade up for a running back in this market if you don't plan to use him. And especially given everything that he did in college, it would make sense that he profiles to be an every down option. Where are you looking at putting Carter in relation to him? Or do you think it will be closer to a timeshare than a lot of drafters are anticipating? I think it'll be a timeshare in the traditional NFL sense where I expect that he'll get, Brees Hall will get 65% of the touches and Carter will get about 35% of the touches. I don't know what Tevin Coleman's going to do. Like he's another guy who's just there sort of like as a veteran presence, I think. So I would think that, that, you know, when they're both healthy, that's probably the likely split somewhere around that range. And the most we could expect from a running back in today's market is a 75% market share. So it's not that big of a ding. Uh, There's only like maybe five guys in the NFL who are going to be 75% uh, snaps or, or greater. So um, I think our, our gambling pro at betprep.com, Brad Feinberg, likes uh, Brees Hall at 9-1 to one for NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. And I think that's a very good bet because the last five 
uh, NFL Offensive Rookie of the Years have been running backs or quarterbacks. And I dare anybody to say that a quarterback is going to be the Rookie of the Year this year. So uh, that means that you have to pick a running back and why not Hall? I mean, the Jets offensive line uh, is should be average or better. And their offensive system, uh, Brees Hall might be the most talented back ever in a, or at least since like Clinton Portis in a Mike Shanahan slash Kyle Shanahan offensive system. In that dead zone, that dreaded dead zone of running backs, uh, Brees Hall is right now the 24th, 24th running back coming off the board, top of the fifth round if you're playing in a 12-team league. And this is half-point PPR ADP, of course, uh, which is Yahoo Standard. Do you like him there? Is he a value there? Is that where he should be? Also, asterisk to add, Michael Carter coming off the board really three rounds later, early in the ninth round. Sometimes he sneaks into the eighth, probably in more full-point PPR formats, um, and he is the 34th running back coming off of the board. I will go on record before I even get your response and say that I think Hall is an incredible value right there, and he's yes. a target for me that late in every single draft. Yeah, I think... Hall at the three, four turn is an excellent pick if you can get him late. And I never draft running backs at that stage of the draft, but I do think that there's a non-zero chance that Brees Hall could be a top five fantasy running back this year. He's also an effective pass catcher. I'm not saying that that's likely, but the thing is you have to be paid to gamble and they're paying you, you know, when you're, when you're drafting Hall, even at running back 17 to 20, they're paying you to gamble that he has that kind of upside. And this is a guy who has the same athletic profile as like Jonathan Taylor. We're talking about a big time uh, running back prospect. I also don't understand the, well, Brees Hall is attached to what we're assuming, even though you've listed out a, a bunch of reasons why it isn't necessarily true, but a lot of people are assuming it's going to be a bad offense and you don't want, and, and there's going to be a timeshare. Although again, you kind of bunked that with the stats that everybody is working with in a modern NFL era anyway. And I think like, well, okay. in the bad offensive line piece, but I remember Najee Harris, right? Like last year, I'm not saying he was efficient and I'm not saying, and, and there was a broken Ben Roethlisberger and a bad offensive line. And yet he was what the, uh, RB4 or yeah, RB5 overall. Yeah. Um, and so it, it 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 just boggles the mind a little bit um, how one argument works fine for one player, but not another. And I do believe a lot of that has to do with just narrative-based Jets hate and assumptions. Exactly. And it's fair that people would have a negative view of the Jets. But I think in every season, what you have to do is is try to look at a team that the that it is highly volatile, where the upside isn't really being priced in on any of the players, and then you could get cheap stacks of that team, and you could actually achieve really good fantasy results because it's all profit. Like you're getting guys at basically cuttable prices, and and I think you know Zach Wilson to me. Uh, I know we mostly play in one quarterback league, so I'm not going to, going to use even the super flex uh, excuse, but Zach Wilson to me is the ideal second quarterback in most single quarterback leagues. I wrote this article for Yahoo years ago. Uh, I think it's 1.92 quarterbacks per team are drafted in one quarterback leagues. And this actually increases as the season goes on. We're like 1.98 are rostered on average during the season. So you're going to have to have two quarterbacks. The waiver wire is not going to be uh viable 
And I like like a Kirk Cousins, Zach Wilson pairing at quarterback where you're drafting these guys super late. You have a little bit of upside and you have the high floor with Cousins. Like to me, that's perfect. The, the receivers, I will, I think the market is a little carried away. On Elijah Moore was the wide receiver too his last five games in the NFL and fantasy and PPR fantasy, which is insane. A lot of that was with Mike white. I, I get Moore's ADP right now. I'm not saying I wouldn't draft him there, or I think it's a bad pick, but they, they added Wilson in the draft. I also, but Corey Davis to me is so cheap and Corey Davis probably has like a 20 to 30% chance of leading the team in targets. And if I'm getting him in the 14th, 15th round free money, like I don't even, I could cut him week five and it doesn't even matter. But the upside I think is to have the Jets most uh, highly targeted receiver. Wide receiver 67 per uh, current ADP, a great value. I was going to ask you about him. I think the question mark with Davis isn't just that he is rather inconsistent in performance, right? Like it's every yeah. other year that he gives you 65 catches and 604 TDs, you know, it's it's not a, a yeah. regular a regular production line or stat line from him, but the core muscle surgery, well, the groin ahead of it, and then the core muscle surgery in December, and just the durability concern. And so I want to hear that. And I also just want to add, I think part of the reason, at least for myself, that Elijah Moore continues to climb is that he has proven he can be quarterback proof to your point about producing with Mike White. So there seems to be an invincibility around him, regardless of what happens to Wilson. Yeah. I get that. I think that he has the highest floor of the wide receivers for certain. The thing that I like about Davis, though, that you're getting for nothing is he's one of the best blocking receivers in the NFL. So in every red zone goal line situation where there's receivers on the field, he's going to be on the field. And one of those other guys is not going to be on the field. I don't know whether it's going to be Moore or Davis. They might go with multiple tight ends, but Corey Davis will be on the field because he blocks essentially like a tight end. And if he plays in the slot, like that's going to be, I think, an offensive formation that the Jets are going to want to utilize because then he's in the running game. He's blocking like 180 pound cornerbacks if teams are going to nickel defense to defend that. Last question, really quickly, gut feel, which of these two tight ends do you prefer? I think uh, Azamwa would be the guy that I would I would prefer, but I'm I'm kind of... I think that they're going to be very involved, especially in the running game. But I don't think either of them has the upside to be even a, 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 a like a top five fantasy tight end. And I think that's that's kind of like I want a plausible case for a tight end to finish in the top five if I'm drafting him even at tight end 15. I agree. I think the production might cannibalize one another. Yeah. but. I think both of them add something to Wilson because they have both flashed and certainly Azamar Yuzuma, however, we're deciding yeah, to sorry. say it this year, um, <laughs> you know, certainly bailed out a beleaguered, a beleaguered quarterback who was fighting behind a flimsy offensive line himself in the red zone, particularly last yeah. year. So I think, again, those are just uh, more pieces that Zach Wilson is now surrounded by. And these pieces are really good for Brees Hall, by the way, uh, because both of them are fantastic blockers. In the run right. game. You heard it from Mr. Salfino. Zach Wilson, top 15 quarterback. Brees Hall, top five running back. 
Thank you so much for joining us. This was fun. Thank you, Mr. Selfino from The Athletic for sharing his Jets insights with us. You can follow him on Twitter at Michael Selfino. You can follow me on Twitter at Liz Loza underscore FF. Follow Dalton at Dalton Del Don. And while you're there, make sure you're following, of course, at Yahoo Fantasy. Andy and Scott will be back early next week to talk about the other New York team. Of course, I'm referring to the Giants. Until then, though, we're out. We're out. 